This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation is brought to you in part by Clay Boykin Life and Business Coaching, because we all get stuck at times. For more information, visit clayboykin.com. By Janelle Bean, for fun and engaging children's books with cute and colorful characters. For more information, visit janellebean.com. And by Wise Owl Organizing, simply set up for you. Organizing consulting and clarity coaching, virtual or in person. For more information, visit wiseowlorganizing.com. Hello, Julian. Hello, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. What an amazing album. Could you please tell me the history, how you came up with it, and how you're introducing this to the world? Yeah, so I've been singing in French for a while, uh, but I really want, wanted to record also my own original music in French. And I, I turned to my mother and I asked her uh, whether she would have some texts or poems from her uh, uh, from an earlier age. Uh, and I knew that she she would. And um, she gave me these poems and texts when she was of when she was like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I read them. And then before I wrote music to it, I asked her to revisit these topics in the now, which is like 55 years later. So a lot of these songs on the album have a time lapse of half a century where my mother shares her new perspective on the same topics. There's a song about the relationship with her father, about the village fool, uh, about an ex, about solitude. And so this became the, the concept of the album, an intergenerational songbook where my mother, in two different time perspectives, uh, shares about these topics. One of the songs that I so relate to is your song, Uncle Pierre. Au revoir, Uncle Pierre, ta porte s'est refermée. Il était tellement doux, ton grand nid poussiéreux. Ta main brune était large pour dire à l'invité que tu partageais tout, ton pain et ton bon. I am the Uncle Pierre, the weirdo, the one that is out there in my family. Are and now you? that I know, yes, and now that I know that you have one also, tell me a little bit about that song. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a song about the person, let's call him a person and not the village fool, which I did before, but it's a song about a person that lived in the village where my mother grew up. And the reason that I uh, that I sometimes call him the village fool is because he was perceived as such by the adults. The adults despised him. They distrusted him. But he was very popular with the kids and he was a kind person. He was very kind to strangers and very kind to children. He would always have uh, soup or anything else to to share. It was a, he had a it was like this house where you had to go three steps down and then you came into this dusty abode, this dusty, messy house. But there was always this very warm, pleasant vibe, uh, as my mother describes it and as she remembers it. So what I wanted to do with this song uh, is to capture that and also to 
sing about and for this person who, yeah, was kind of forgotten, obviously. <laughs> he was in a way uh, a nobody, but for many people, especially the children, he was a very special, dear person. And fortunately, we had the lovely opportunity to have you and your mother talking about the writing and creation of this album. So let's take a look at that interview. I think when we started, we were very careful with each other not to go into the uh, field of the other. Um, I was given an assignment by Julien. He chose a couple of poems and he asked me to revisit the poem and go on with it with, with, the, the, same, with the same perspective, but in the in the time now. So with a new perspective. With a new perspective, yes, but with exactly the same theme. Your grandfather, your mother's father, takes mm -hmm. such a central role on yeah. this album. Could you talk more about it? Yeah. Um, in the last years of his life, um, a very special kind of tenderness uh, grew between uh, him and me. And obviously, in a way, there's all, always like a bigger ease between grandparents and grandchildren than between parents and their children. Is That just seems to be the way uh, in most cases. And for my mother, it wasn't always as uh, as easy to 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 be his daughter, but as is described also in her beautiful lyrics in the song called "Mon Papa," they they grew to understand each other on a deeper and deeper level. And my mother loved him; she thought he was a beautiful person. Whereas in the beginning, it was it wasn't always so easy to be his daughter of, of this grandfather of mine who was in the Second World War who in a way like there there were like five six in instances in the war that he normally would not have survived um a clairvoyant once uh, or a hand reader once was reading his hand and she told him like you died when you were 22 years old how are you still alive and he was like ah that makes sense yeah i did actually die then Ce soir -là, Et sous la pluie je chantais, l'eau me giflait les joues. Ruissonnait sur mon cou quand je fermais la porte. Sur la tempête forte, je m'ai beau être trempé. Et puis mes fils séchés, lui, il était assis. Pas un mot, pas un bruit. La télé allumée, trompait cet air gelé. Je m'enfermais sans elle. Pour aller la maiselle, j'ouvris grand la fenêtre. When I was recording and writing the album, he was in the last stages of his life. And we had had, by that time, we had had many like knee-to-knee conversations with him sharing about 
his youth, his most precious childhood memories about the war, which would always be present in his stories uh, to me about the love between him and my grandmother who had already deceased and about him being tired of growing older. He was done with life and he shared that with me. And um, he also shared in one instance that becoming a certain age, growing older, you appreciate more and more what kindness is. And he was sharing that with me. He was saying that to me specifically because he then explained that he was appreciating my kindness so much. And I was just like, yeah, well, I mean, I just love you. <laughs> you know, like you're this amazing person to me. And, and or that's what I was thinking. I was just listening to him saying that and uh, um, so when he was in his last stages of life I wanted to share with him something that would be meaningful for him or soothing in his process um, and I knew that one of his most precious memories was of his uh, summers the summers that he spent with his grandfather so my great-great-grandfather um, and he would be there during the summer. He would, like a wild child, he would run around barefooted and he would climb the trees and he would go so far on the, on the branches of the trees that they would bend and he would feel this ecstasy of fear and excitement, listening to the wind and the sea, the, the ocean. And that is one of his most precious childhood memories. So I wrote him uh, or my, I asked my mother to write lyrics about specifically that. And that became a song called Enfant Sauvage, The Wild Child. And um, yeah, and I was just in time to play that song for him on his, uh, on his deathbed. Il passait des heures il s'agrippait jusqu'au bout pour qu'elle penche Avec la fousse de se retrouver par terre Il écoutait le vent et la mer C'était petit fort On the album is also a couple of songs that marked certain transitions because there is also a song where Marinette reflects. It's called Petit Doigt, The Little Fingers. It's a song where Marinette reflects on the fact after the death of her father that she is now uh, the oldest generation. <laughs> Talk about your musical influences, the roots where all this music comes from. The ones that come to mind are Barbara, a French singer, Georges Brassens, um, but also in more recent times, in the now, this huge artist called Stromae. Uh, he's from Belgium. Stromae, for me, is the biggest creator uh, in pop music since the likes of Michael Jackson. It's hard to underestimate this guy. His, his eye for the visual, his 
lyrics, his dancing, his voice, his songs, his melodies. There's so much in there. Um, and I think I think just just only my even only like my song Oncle Pierre, the first song of the album. There's a huge Stromae influence there. The play with words, the just going somewhere with the melody and just enjoying the texture of the lyrics. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Stromae uh, in there. And we had the pleasure of discussing the musical influences with your mother in our previous interview. We did. Baba was for me a very big artist. I was 17 or 18 years old and I felt she was able to formulate feelings that, that were in me, but I didn't have words for it. And then I heard that she was coming to Dijon, that was the, the, the town where we were living. And my godmother that didn't say anything, but two days later she said, could you pass to, to my house? And then I got an envelope with a ticket for Barbara. So she stood up from the piano, she took a rocking chair, she put that in, on, at the edge of the stage. At the end of the stage. And then started, started to, talking with the public. With the audience. <clears throat> so what I so what I want to do for our performance is to have Marinette on the stage in a rocking chair. In black. And, and, in black. In black. <laughs> with with, like uh, with the eyeliner. Oh, yeah. She had a like, oh, very specific makeup. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we are now uh, in my parents' house in uh, Amersfoort, which is like an hour from Amsterdam. And um, yeah, we were just reminding each other before this conversation that in 2010, 2011, I was here in the house recording an album with a band of mine. And we had all kinds of expensive uh, equipment that we had borrowed. And then- And I was the cook. You were the cook. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a wonderful time. And then <laughs> hey, after... we all we all have to eat if we're going to be our artists as we're going. So continue. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then one week after we finished recording the album, uh, something quite tragic happened. Yeah, maybe you're the one to well, we, to share. We had a fire in uh, the first floor of the house, which started in my study room. Um, so I lost everything. And everything is? And everything is uh, all my books, all my studies, all my research. Uh, letters. Letters. Uh, fortunately, the uh, family uh, pictures, albums yeah. were not in my room. But for the, for the rest, everything just went into, into smoke. Yes. Um, and that was like the center of your world, you know, like it was her. It was my all thing. All her documents, all her letters, all her, and um, and it was actually. Um, but I want to say something. Yes. Um, then I had to go to the hospital to see if my my lungs were were, were because I was trying to 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 extinguish <laughs> extinguish the fire. It was completely crazy. But the very first thing that my daughter said to me. When she saw me, she said, you know, mom, you have lost everything, but everything is in you. Now, this is still reasoning in uh, regularly. And this one said to me uh, as the first remark, you know, you are just a 
saying that your room was too full and that you had really to uh, arrange it and uh, sort it out. Oh, the fire did it for you. Voilà. And I, I, I could, I could really value this uh, type of uh, hard humor. Yeah. <laughs> but you were actually really surprised that these, uh, that these words that are now on the album that they survived because you were actually like, how were they not? Yeah, in I, I, do, I don't understand. But all my material was in that room, but the cahier. So those, cahier is French for the notebooks. The notebooks. Mm -hmm. They, they, they are they are just uh, saved. They were somewhere else. They were somewhere else, and I yeah. don't recall where they were. So that's why we still had these words. And one one last thing, uh, which I also want to share, which is, um, yeah, a little bit crazy, but it did happen. Uh, the day after the fire, I went into the study room, and everything was just black. It was just one black space. And in the floor, there was like a, a hole, you know, it had really like this, the, the fire had started on on the floor and it, it really created like this dense, like the hole in, in the floor and everything was black. And I walked around a bit and then I saw that in that hole was one paper that was not totally black, it was just burnt along the edges. And I took it out and it was a uh, it was a it was words famous words by Leonard Cohen. So in that black room, I found this one paper, and on it it said, in the Dutch version, it was a Dutch translation, mm. but I'll say it in English. It's the one that goes, "Ring the bells that still can ring, uh, forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's, That's how the light nice gets question. in." What a way to end it. <clears throat> Oh, Marina, thank you so much for for giving me this time today, giving us this opportunity to be able to look inside your life and the evolution of your life. And Julian, thank you again for for giving me the opportunity to be able to to know you and to be part of this this process that we're going through. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. The album will be out. We'll get a chance to be able to listen to it all. Il passait des heures accroché aux branches. Il s'agrippait jusqu'au bout pour qu'elle penche. This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversations has been brought to you in part by In Search of the New Compassionate Male. For more information, go to newcompassionatemail.com.